Welcome to First and 30. I'm Nick. And I'm Antonino. We're two 30-something-year-old guys who take the best ultimate reality television show in this hemisphere, American football, through four uncensored downs of mostly unbiased opinion and some analysis. In a game broken down into 10-yard segments, we take it with you one step at a time. That's First and 30. Let's Let's go go for it. it. Welcome, welcome. Here we go. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm sorry, I had to do it, man. This is episode 16 of the First and 30 podcast. And it's an exciting episode, Anthony. You know, we have a lot of content to jump into. So why don't you just highlight it for us? Let the listeners know what they're going to prepare for here today. Yeah, here we go is right. We got a lot to cover on first down. We're talking American ice football. We're talking Cam Newton getting jumped, and we're talking a little DUI. So a bunch of shenanigans on first down. On second down, we're going to talk about a bunch of guys wearing T-shirts and shorts. Yes, that's right. The NFL Combine is here. So we're going to dive deep on second and third down on the NFL Combine. And then on fourth down, we're going to give you a little free agency primer. We're going to talk about cap space, the tagging updates, and some of the latest transactions last week. I'm excited. There's a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content. But before we hop into it, Antonino, just a quick reminder to all of you out there that are still listening in the offseason. That must mean you like what you're listening to because football season's over with. So to support the podcast, go ahead, follow us and give us a like on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you are listening to us. And also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Although I think our Facebook got banned, Anthony. You know, you might not have seen this, but I checked it today. Apparently we're posting inappropriate or violent con- uh, content, which I don't think that's true. <laughs> we must be really bad to the bone. Oh, my gosh. We get banned from Meta. Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you can still follow us on Facebook, go ahead and do so. But without further ado, Antonino, let's hop into things. First down, off-season shenanigans. And you brought this to my attention the other day. I had no clue this existed, but there's an American ice football TV show. It's not a league, but it is a German television show on the RTL Deutschland, which a bunch of celebrity players or celebrities in Germany participate in this. But did you watch these video clips? And if you haven't watched it, go check this out. It's hilarious. Television at its finest. Like these Germans, they're great at beer and apparently they're good at American ice football. Well, it's as funky as you would anticipate. So they're playing at Tadino with profile is bowling shoes so not only do they not have any traction because they're not playing on skates but they said let's make a little bit of a a further wrinkle into all this and give them the worst possible traction shoes available and see these people slip and slide all over the rink and let's be clear there's contact people are pushing and people are falling flat on their butts um, it was awesome. The one play I saw, I think it was like a miss snap over the quarterback's head, went back like 20 yards. He did a pass to someone who then turned it around the corner and took it to the house. And it was amazing. And it doesn't stop there. They kicked the extra point 
on ice with these said bowling <laughs> shoes and the dude fell right on his butt kind of similar to a uh, little incident we had on the football Ooh, field. Yeah, goodness. yeah, tough one. But uh, yeah, they kicked the extra point. It looked kind of like arena league goalposts, and uh, he, he uh, hit the post actually on that. But I I was impressed though with how well the ice looked in the arena itself. Like the field goal post, the the ice had like the end zone decals in it too. It. I mean, I'll be honest, man, though, they're going like two miles an hour because they can't, they have no traction. So that looks a little ridiculous. I think if they were to make this thing more prevalent, give them some ice skates, basically make it hockey, but with a football, think, think of how awesome that would be. Like a guy skating 30 miles per hour down the rink, and then he just gets jacked up by another guy. (laughs) NFL's worried about concussions, and here we are. We're just going to, like, straight up tackle people on ice with skates on. I love it. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, that was only one thing we wanted to cover in these shenanigans because there's a bunch of other shenanigans. So I, I, I will say for the listeners, check the videos out. Maybe we'll post it on social. I don't know. We typically don't do that, but maybe that's something that we do. Go check out the videos, though, online. They're really funny. I got a good laugh out of it. Out of it so if you need a serotonin kick, mm-hmm. I recommend um, but Anton, you know, speaking of shenanigans, Cam Newton, did did you see the fight? I saw the fight, and the worst part about it was it was an event that he funded for youth kids playing football in Atlanta to make yeah. matters worse. No, you know what? To make matters worse, did you see the Captain Cook-looking black hat? that he was wearing <laughs> some people said he would look like the wicked witch fighting off three or four guys <laughs> you know i'm not a big fan of cam newton he's a character and uh you know these guys they just couldn't bring him to the ground because hey he's six foot five 250 pounds and they seem to forget that and you have one guy that kind of gotten a chokehold and another one's getting thrown around with cam newton's left hand and then one guy comes in for a shot at his face and i think he might have connected on for one of them maybe one of them connected well that's exactly so as i'm watching this man that's exactly what i was thinking though in terms of the stature of the individual that you're looking to, are they saying that they were trying to jump him? First of all, th- it's a broad daylight. It's at this packed event. And these three guys, what they were wearing, like almost ski masks or something, they're approaching him and, and seeming like they're trying to jump him, scare him. I, I don't know. But you're not only doing this in broad daylight, but you're doing it to a, an individual who's, what, six foot five? He weighs over 250 pounds during his playing days. I think that is the one person I would avoid trying to pick a fight with or or trying to jump or intimidate uh, if that was the tactic. I, I don't know. Do you, was there anything that was like discovered through this? Yeah, I found out that he was talking a lot of smack, typical Cam Newton, big mouth. He was talking a bunch of smack. And at one point he put his hands on a, a gentleman's brother and that's what set things off um so you had one guy come out hit him try and hit him and then another two guys came up um so they interviewed the people that fought with him and they did say that he started it cam newton started this whole entire thing 
Um, I know some conspiracy theorists believe that it was a hired group of quote unquote jumpers that Brock Purdy hired because Cam Newton on his podcast mentioned that P Brock Purdy was a game manager and he was nothing special. So now people on the internet and interwebs and whatnot are <laughs> saying that Brock Purdy hired these yeah. guys to beat him up. Yeah, because out of every critical opinion Brock Purdy's received this season, the one that broke the camel's back was Cam Newton, the guy that says some of the most ridiculous things and has the most ridiculous outfits. That's where he's going to put a lot of the value and words towards towards a guy like that. Yeah, with all that being said, I think that the one thing I regret the most that I wasn't there because I would go straight for the family jewels. I think that would have sent them right down six foot five, two fifty or not. I think one of those guys failure to plan because you hit him once down low and he's coming down. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're not going to try to tackle a big guy like that down. And I agree, man, but I, I think I would just avoid the, the conflict altogether. That's just me. I'm a pacifist. Uh, one more here. We had Richard Sherman uh, get a DUI. Like, look at us, man. We're, we're like people magazine right now on first down. We're doing all of the, the tabloids and this isn't even like serious sports talk, but anyways, Richard Sherman rested on suspicion of DUI. Ooh, what 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 analysis do you have on this one? <laughs> Come on, man, Richard Sherman. He was going seventy nine and a sixty. Ooh. The dude probably drives like a Bugatti or a Ferrari or a Porsche. Going seventy nine and a sixty, you like accidentally touch the accelerator. You go seventy nine and a sixty, but he gets pulled over and he tells them that he had a couple margaritas to drink. So bam, just like that, they throw him uh, in the facility and he's out on bail 5,000 bucks. I think he has a hearing on Wednesday, but geez, Richard Sherman could could have used Amazon Prime. I don't know what we, what he was doing going out. Um, like, come on, man. What do you mean what he's doing going on out? 2 a.m. Boy, he was busted at 2 a.m. Nothing good happens after midnight. So, so you've never gone out after midnight and had yourself a good time with two margs? I mean, we're responsible people here. We take Ubers <laughs> or we, we we play it safe. This guy's probably flying down the highway going 80, you know. 79 and a 60. Oh, Antonino, you know, I'm not going to throw your dirty laundry out there, but I think I recall a conversation where you and I were having where you saying how you were really pushing that BMW to the limits, going what, a buck, a buck five, a buck 10 down 97? I cannot confirm or deny <laughs> any yeah. of these allegations. But, but Richard Sherman going 79 and a 60, we must, uh, we must call for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, man. Look, we, we, we did our whole tabloid section. I promise listeners, this isn't going to be the entire off season. We're not just going to, you know, shoot the stuff and do nothing. We, we are getting back to business now. Here it is second down. NFL Combine started officially on Monday, but all the workouts are going to begin this Thursday. But this kind of got us thinking, what are some of like the bigger Combine? I don't know. You you talk to us, man. Give us give us the take on the Combine. What what are some things to look out for, consider? And and I kind of want to hop into some some of the best results in history and some other elements that are no longer a part of the Combine that are kind of interesting. Yep. Yep. The NFL combine is here and it's like a meat market. You have all these guys, a couple hundred athletes that come into this building, the uh, Lucas oil stadium in Indianapolis, and they're getting measured up and down height, weight, 
wingspan, hand size, uh, just for starters. And then they move into the actual testing, the 40 yard dash, the vertical jump, the shuttle run, the three cone drill mm. and different exercises as far as throwing and catching and whatnot. But there is a third element, and that third element is getting to know the players. You have all the coaches from all the teams, a lot of uh, recruits, executives, and they get to actually meet the player, ask the questions, and go through a little testing. So, so do you think that's the most important part of the combine? It's just the element of getting to know players, or do you think it's just kind of like this overrated hogwash, like with all these meaningless drills? Like, come on, the 40-yard the dash, how important is this? Yeah, I think that the most important thing is being able to sit down in a room with these guys and ask them questions that you weren't able to ask before. So yeah. really put them on the spot. Who's going to break under pressure, say something not, they're not supposed to, especially when they're going to possibly be representing your organization in the coming year? Yeah, so do you, I guess my opinion would be, too, it's more of an evaluation of character rather than physical skill set, although... <laughs> Let's not let's not overreact here, but there have been some instances where we've seen some physical feats and measures during the combine that elevated a player's draft stock significantly. So there is obviously a lot of weight and value put into the player's overall performance outside of their character and who they are as an individual. Teams are looking at what they get on these these uh these drills like I mean, for instance, 40-yard dash. Uh, in, this one's going to hit close to home for you, my man. Mm. John Ross, 4.22 seconds, the the top speed in the 40-yard dash. He didn't have like a ton of hype coming out of college, out of Washington, but the Bengals felt pretty confident in his abilities when they took him ninth overall because I think primarily because of that, that uh, 4.2 record-breaking speed. Yeah, we were looking for someone to take the top off of the defensive coverage, and he just never did that for us. He was a complete bust, and uh, that's a, a shame to say. But yeah, like you said, speed kills, but not in that case. Right, and then uh, for the Cowboys, we we took Byron Jones back in, what, 2017, 2016, don't know the exact year, but he broke the record for broad jump. Not only the combine record, I think it was a world record of 12 feet, three inches. <laughs> Jeez. Dude, that's ridiculous. 12, 12 foot broad jump. Like, I, I mean, I can barely jump three feet off the ground if that. <laughs> I've seen you play basketball. I'll give you a little bit more credit than that. I got I got some hops. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess my point is there are like some of these outliers where these guys come in. I mean, like Byron Jones, he was projected like a mid round pick. And because of his broad jump, everybody was going crazy. They're like, oh, first round pick now. So there, there's some of those instances. I'm sure we're going to see that in this combine too. Some guy that no one really had on their radar. And we'll talk about some of these players maybe here in third down. But yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I did want to touch on one other thing here before we move on. One element that has changed or is no longer a part of the combine is the Wonderlick test. Do you remember this? The the fifty question test to evaluate general intelligence. The good old Wonderlick test. God forbid it got out that you did bad. You're getting smeared on every website. Who do you think are some of the worst Wonderlick test players? Just off the top of your head, like if you were to guess. Now this is kind of a messed up uh, scenario, but, but if you were to guess players intelligence based off of like I don't know interviews the way that they played maybe they make a bunch of bunch of bonehead decisions who do you think would have like scored historically worse the only player that really comes to mind I don't even know if he went to the combine but uh Jamarcus Russell you remember that name he played uh, with yeah. for a while 
Yeah, one would think. I don't know if he did. I think he did go to the combine, and that's why he went number one, because he could throw like an 80-yard pass on his knees or something stupid. That's right. So there, there were two players that stood out to me. The Well, first of all, the lowest reported score on the Wonderlick was four out of 50. I'm not going to tell you who that was until the end, but Vince Young, Frank Gore, they both only scored six on their Wonderlicks. And Vince Young's a quarterback. I know, I know. And and then inversely, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who scored a 48 out of 50. And there was one player in the history of the Wonderlick who actually scored a perfect 50 out of 50. Could you guess just like the position they would have played? Uh, my first instinct, I would think quarterback, but I'm not sure. No, it was a punter. Pat, Pat McKinley, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but he was a Harvard punter. He ended up getting drafted in the fifth round in the 1975 draft by none other than your Cincinnati Bengals, man. So, geez, come on. How much Bengals history do you know? I'll have to look that up. I don't know the pronunciation that you gave his last name. <laughs> did it justice, but uh, I'll have to do some digging. I think it's like McKinley, but okay. it's, it's spelled a little interesting. But, yeah. He, yeah. he is the only perfect score. You, you know, speaking of tests, last year, I don't know what kind of, uh, similar to the Wonderlick test, it's called the S2 test, and C.J. Stroud actually got a really bad score on this S2 test, and Bryce Young did really well. And some people are now saying that this test, and even in years past, is just an excuse to hurt or help another player's draft stock. So let's say you might have wanted C.J. Stroud. So you're going to want to tell everyone he got a bad score. So hopefully you can snipe him maybe outside, you know, the top five or 10 picks or whatever player that might be. So this is a, a lot of, you know, funny business going on, uh, just trying to help or hurt players' stocks to try and get the man they want. Mm. So you think that there's some malintent involved with this process and that it's not a due justice process? I guarantee it. Of course you do. <laughs> Uh, before we move on, I did hint at who scored the lowest on the Wonderlick, and it was none other than one of my Cowboys, Mo Claiborne. He was drafted sixth overall, cornerback out of LSU. However, there's an asterisk because it was later discovered he does have a learning disability, so don't don't uh, scrutinize him too much there. But, yep, a four. Four out of 50 was the lowest ever. How about we move on? Third and long. I think we want to continue talking about the combine a little bit more, but you're reporting to us live there uh, from the scouts view on some of the players that you're keeping your eye on. So I, I want to hear it, Antonino being there in Indianapolis, Lucas oil stadium. First of all, how are the refreshments? And second of all, who's on your report? Who are you scouting while you're there? The Gatorade is flowing through me right now. I do have shorts and t-shirt on. I might try and run one of these 40-yard dashes. I think I still have it in me. Maybe they'll draft me somehow. But I have my eye on a lot of players out here. Uh, I thought I saw Frank Gore walk by, but that's actually Frank Gore Jr., his son. So kind of looking at him, he's only 5'7". I thought it was a midget at first, but nope, 5'7", Frank Gore Jr. And uh, we have some big-name quarterbacks. You might know of uh, Michael Penix, Husky. I, yeah, I do. I wasn't impressed in the national championship game, but go on. He's looking pretty good, but I think they might pay extra close attention to his injury history. As you might know, he got hurt in Indiana. He got hurt another year. 
little bit of a history there. Maybe NFL teams might be a little scared to spend that high draft pick on a injury-prone quarterback. So just something to keep an eye on. And uh, Blake Corum just walked by, running back out of Michigan. Also, only five foot eight. Jeez, what's with these small running backs? Should be interesting here in Indianapolis. In the meantime, let me uh, get some more Gatorade here and get ready for my 40-yard dash. Well, well, be careful on the 40-yard dash, Anton. You know, I know you're still recovering from your your tweaked knee and uh, your your ingrown toenail incident from the, the fall. So we don't want you to get too wrapped up in a bad situation there. Hey, thank you, Nick. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right, thanks for the report, Antonino. So Antonino's there in Indianapolis covering the Combine. There are a few other names I have my eye on. How about Spencer Rattler, the quarterback out of South Carolina? You might recognize him from QB1, Beyond the Lights. It was a TV show airing on Netflix. He was a top 30 recruit, goes to Oklahoma, and you might recognize one of these other names, the top consensus top pick perhaps is going to be Caleb Williams. He ended up taking Rattler's position over at Oklahoma. Uh, Rattler was benched. He had a poor college career, but a great senior bowl. So there is a lot of talk around his potential of being either a, a second, third round pick. What do you think? Have you kept your eye on him too, Antonino? He had an amazing performance at the Senior Bowl, and at the Senior Bowl, you have all the best players at a college. Some choose not to participate the same way that some choose not to participate participate in the combine and they choose to only do the ex exercises on their pro days but i think that spencer radler is using this opportunity to increase his draft stock hand over fist uh he might have been like late rounds now i think he might be second or third round a team's going to take a chance on him um but the senior bowl draft stock is soaring after that performance all week long yeah and i think did you mention jj mccarthy too as one of the guys you had your eye on. I, I'm kind of curious about him because he's coming from the national championship team. He's now getting a lot of buzz as potentially being a first-round pick, even though he played in a really run-heavy offense. So there was really a limited sample size of in-game performance from him. But it seems like a lot of scouts, perhaps yourself included, are tantalized by the upside, his accuracy. Is there anything that you're reporting on him or that you have opinions on about J.J. McCarthy, the QB out of Michigan? I personally would lean towards the side of experience and someone who's been through the gauntlet and played in four or five seasons worth of games, and you've seen him throw the ball, which leads me to a quarterback named Bo Nix out of Oregon. Uh, you might recall he played at Auburn for quite some time, um, and then he came to Oregon and had success, had his best years as a collegiate player. So if I had to choose between these quarterbacks that we mentioned, McCarthy, Radler, Penix, Bo Nix might be the sleeper here. I think that's mm -hmm. something to keep an eye on, that he could have his success translate to the NFL level. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get too, too deep into the player prospects because with this being the combine, we're very early still on the evaluation stage. But just as a little teaser for the listeners, we are going to go through like some of our mock drafts around and after the free agency period. We have a lot to cover there, a lot of player analysis that we want to dig deeper into. So I uh, appreciate the inside, Santonino. Glad that you're safe over there in Indianapolis too. Fill up on that Gatorade. But how about we head into fourth and forever? Free agency primer. So we're going to talk through here, Antonino, the cap space adjustments, 
tag updates, the latest transactions that occurred over the past week, which it's honestly been a pretty quiet franchise tagging period. But why don't you tell the listeners what just happened with the free agency or the cap space situation? I mean, uh, what 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 occurred there? The NFL is making it rain, boys and girls. We're talking to the tune of $30 million more million added to each team's bankroll going into this free agency period. So we're talking the highest cap space team, the Commanders, all the local folks that are listening, they have $79.5 million, million dollars to spend. Million. <laughs> Yeah, so it's what a record two hundred fifty five point four million dollar cap cap jump now for NFL teams, which is the largest in the history of the NFL. So teams have the money to spend. Some of the teams that were coming into free agency kind of strapped behind the cap, like my Cowboys now have a little bit more breathing room. But even your Bengals, I noticed here, they're what they're one of the top ten teams with spending ability. What fifty million about roughly yep. fifty and a half mil, fifty million, and that's after the T Higgins tag. That's a bit of news that just came out as well oh. a couple of days ago. Yeah, T so Higgins after they were already so they were at what like seventy million. Correct. This? Correct. After the thirty million boost, they were sitting at seventy million roughly, and now oh. they're at fifty million, still in that top ten right there. So they have money to spend so might you see uh jamar chase get his deal early might you see a long-term deal worked out uh for t we we shall see well you weren't too hip on the idea if i recall last week of giving t higgins a franchise tag are you under a different impression and opinion now i feel like the sentiment sentiment is that with the extra 30 million that that kind of eases up the pressure a little bit it made it an easier decision to tag t higgins and make sure he's in the fold for this coming year as we are going all in for that super bowl run in 2024 so unrelated but somewhat related around the Bengals cap situation joe mixon you think he's going to be sticking around Do you want to see them bring him back or no they're calling for his head. I think if we let him go, it would save us $5 million. But I'm in the boat where I want to keep him here, veteran presence. He's been in the big games. He does produce uh, when he's called upon. And I think if they got that second running back going next to him, it'll just make things explode. Um, as you saw a little bit with Chase Brown, he was a rookie that we had playing behind him. He fared pretty well, and they both had an increase in production the second half of the season. Yeah, there's really no reason for them to, to cut him. It's not like they're strapped on cap space and needing to, to free up for other guys. So the Bengals, I mean, they might be big players. So with uh, those Washington commanders, the Titans are also really high up there. The Bears have a lot of spending room, Patriots, Colts and Texans, even Detroit. So we should be seeing some big moves by these teams. But along the line with running back, man, uh, we saw a lot of big name guys not get tagged. So what this is leading us to believe is that Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, just to name oh Austin Eckler, just to name a few, all of these guys are probably going to be unrestricted free agents here in the next couple of weeks. What do we think about that? I can't wait. This is so exciting. This is the best part of the offseason is free agency. It's like getting a brand new shiny toy. Like, what holes do you have on your team? How can we fill them? And you have all these playmakers just sitting out here. You, most teams know they have the money. The players are right there. So who can get to it first? Who can convince that player that will take them over the edge? 
how can you convince him to come to your city? So I'm excited to see which running back goes where. You got Derrick Henry's name floating out there. Um, we're going to have a huge free agency extravaganza next week. So brace yourself for that. We're just giving you a little taste right now. You're already hinting at the free agency bonanza extravaganza. Let's just wrap things up, man. Fourth down's up. But next week, just to hint at it for all of you listening, we are going to cover everything related to free agency. In case you're not aware, free agency officially begins March 13th. But Antonino and I, I think we're going to be covering some things over the next two weeks related to some of the big-name free agents out there, some of the big transactions. We might even go back in our time warp here, our time machine, and highlight some of the worst free agency signings in NFL history based off of our opinion. So we're going to have a lot of fun with just covering free agency and some of the maneuvers, the ins and outs, and things to be aware of. So be on the lookout. I'm stoked to talk about it. Are you? I cannot wait. I'm doing jumping jacks over here, and I guarantee you that someone's team is going to become Super Bowl favorites just based on the few players that they signed that first week of free agency. So everything's going to get shaken up. I can't wait. We'll see you guys next week. The next one is the best one. There we go. Well, don't forget, support the pod by following us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to the podcast. And you can go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe on social media at First and 30 Pod. But that does it for us here. Thank you for joining another episode of the First and 30 Podcast. Until next week, remember, when your number's called, no matter the odds, just, just go, go for it. it.